A good number of countries in Africa have active and well-established extractive sectors, while others are nascent but growing steadily. Many studies have established that the extractive industries have the potential to significantly contribute to a country's socio-economic development if harnessed well. Unfortunately, in the case of Africa, the paradox of poverty amidst plenty prevails, and it is linked to poor governance of the sector and misappropriation of accrued revenues to the detriment of the livelihoods of citizens. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast that focuses on the recent study by Oxfam. The study is titled, Auditing the Auditor examining the role of supreme audit institutions in auditing the extractive industry in Africa. The discussion on this podcast will focus on the supreme audit institutions. In this podcast, we will often refer to the supreme auditing institutions as SIDE. I am your host, Cynthia Umurundi. When we talk about the extractive industry in Africa, what most of us see is open area and locals digging for gold, for diamond, and so much more, but in what appears to be very poor villages. Most of the time, that image unfortunately represents the reality on the ground, and the wealth of the African extractive industry does not translate to the improved standard of living of Africans. The study researcher talks about the paradox of poverty amidst plenty. The phenomenon of countries with an abundance of natural resources having less growth and less development outcomes than the countries with fewer natural resources. Welcome to this podcast, Edmund Shoko. Mr. Edmund Shoko is the head of the Capacity Building Initiative at Afrosai E. Most of his research work is used as reference material to inform several organization policies in both public and private sectors. Edmund, thank you so much for making the time uh, to come on this podcast and explain this uh, recently concluded research. How are you doing? I'm okay, Cynthia. How are you doing yourself? I'm good, thank you. So in this research that focused on 10 African countries, namely Cameroon, Ghana, Kenya, Mozambique, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Tanzania, Uganda, Zambia, and Zimbabwe, data shows that natural resources wealth in those countries range from gold, iron, nickel, copper, cobalt, diamond, ruby, it's a lot, uranium, emerald, zinc, oil, basically everything that we know. So is there anything that stood out in this research? What is it that you found out? Well, thank you so much, uh, Cynthia, for, for, for that question. And, and thank you for recognizing, uh, first of all, just how rich uh, our continent is when it comes to, to mineral wealth. And I must say the timing of this uh, particular research is, is, is quite, we see most of our African countries, even though they have a lot of this mineral wealth and resources, they're still poor and impoverished and not doing so well economically. It did stand out immediately that there's so many things that are similar in Africa, which are common in Africa, and which are also cross-cutting in the form of challenges. Now, this issue of transparency and accountability is at the backbone. And if the hamstrings on the transparency and accountability remain unchallenged and unchecked. No doubt, the Africa Mining Vision, Agenda 2063, they will all remain just visions and nothing more. They will never see the light of day. And the people of Africa may never really realize the mineral fruits 
and benefits of being an African. So those cross-cutting things need to be addressed. But of course, some peculiar things did stand out. Now, the research findings themselves have indicated that despite there being a communication disjoint between the size and stakeholders in the extractive industry sector, the site auditors themselves and uh, stakeholders, they're somewhat in agreement that the audits that size have been producing have not been as effective as they could be towards the improvement of transparency and accountability within this industry. I think that's the first clear thing that came out from the research. This ineffectiveness is driven by several factors. On an average, size are performing very few audits within the audit cycle. Few of them actually end up being published. That is to say, when an audit has been performed, it has a higher probability of not being tabled before parliament. And once an audit is not tabled between parliament, well, that audit is not available for anyone to use, really. To the public. So, so we, we have no idea that that thing has happened. Yeah, you don't know. Yes. You don't know what was in it. You don't know what pushed it to happen and so forth. So if audits are not being published and being reported, they, they are of very little value to the users. Now, from the quality perspective, the relevance of the audits towards addressing issues in the extractive industry sector are seemingly also inadequate. This has been linked, of course, to the lack of SAI expertise in the industry. It is reported that the SAI risk assessment of the extractive industries is not robust enough and it lacks wide stakeholder consultation. Could it be that SAIs are just focusing on what they are good at and not necessarily doing audits that are going to meet the audit expectation and also address the risks and risk needs at the country level in their extractive industry sector. But all in all, Cynthia, I'm an, in conclusion, I'm, I was quite pleased generally to note that there's been a lot of activity that has been ongoing by the size, and their audit efforts are certainly not in vain. I would certainly encourage further research, especially on the independence of supreme audit institutions, on how they can freely have access to information and report on the industry, an industry that is very complex and extremely opaque, just to say the least. So those are my findings, Cynthia. Thank you so much, Edmund, for that. So I was wondering if there is anything that you think can be done to improve the auditing of the extractive industry in Africa? Quite a lot. Because what has been presented by the research findings is nothing else other than time, space, and opportunity. But however, when I look at it, I boiled it down just to three things. Number one, it's capacity building. Number two, collaboration. And number three, consequence management. Cynthia, we need to table those reports within reasonable time and to a wide audience. And the size also need to put mechanisms to monitor the implementation of their recommendations. Then, and only then, can we get the effectiveness of these audits. Good planning and good follow-up. Evidence-based research is needed by various players to make future decisions and effect the much-needed change. For an organization like Oxfam, how does this change look like and how will this study support the work that the organization is doing in the region or for other organizations working towards transparency and accountability of the Africa's extractive industry? Gerard Biarugaba, the regional advisor, extractive industry with the Oxfam in Horn, East and Central Africa, explains this to us. Thank you for having me. Our focus as Oxfam on extractive industry 
is mainly focusing on oil, gas, and mineral resources. So we focus on the governance of these natural resources globally. And um, that is because we believe that this industry has the potential to provide benefits to countries, countries that are rich in these resources could get revenues that can facilitate economic growth, finance service delivery. The sector can also potentially create jobs and generate incomes for government, out of which they will be able to spend on essential services like health, education, and infrastructure. And this would contribute towards achieving uh, sustainable development goals. However, what we know is that this sector has also been persistently linked to human rights abuse, human rights violations, gender-based violence, environmental destruction and conflict in areas normally rich in uh, oil, gas and mineral resources. So as Oxfam and other actors, we work to change the behavior of the duty bearers, the governments and the multinational corporations and their subcontractors who are involved in this sector to create an enabling environment to facilitate or contribute towards creating an enabling environment which promotes respect for human rights, promotes just economies, and expanding people's voices and agency so that people have a say in how these natural resources are governed in ways that are participatory and that create lasting benefits um, to the societies. Why is it then that you think that auditing processes for this kind of industry is important? Right. So as an example, I um, cite a report from the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development just last year, 2020, which reported that Africa loses an estimated $88.6 billion every single year in illicit financial flows. And this is equivalent to 3.7% of the gross domestic product of the continent. This is a lot of money. And most of this money that the continent loses in several ways, a lot of this money is actually from oil, gas, and mining. As we know, Africa is a natural resource rich continent. And in part, that is because the auditing as one of the tenets of governance of the sector, if the auditing is not done properly, then countries and citizens subsequently stand a chance to lose revenue that would otherwise be invested in developing their own economies. So while we have provisions of revenue sharing between countries and multinational corporations usually spelled out in contracts, in the absence of vigilance on the part of the governments um, to ensure that the obligations of the companies are met, governments are collecting the right amount of revenue, then you see more of the outflow of these revenues that should ordinarily be earned by the, the countries and their citizens and to be able to improve their welfare. And this results in fewer resources, fewer revenues accruing to governments and frustration in the end by the citizens that the natural resources that were discovered in their, in their countries ultimately end up not generating revenue and therefore facilitating the economic development. So it's very important that auditing is done very well to ensure that countries are able to maximize revenues from their resources. Supreme Audit Institutions, the size, are the lead public sector audit organization in a country. Their principal task is to examine whether public funds are spent economically, efficiently, effectively, and in compliance with existing rules and regulations. They are in a position to play a critical role in the improvement of transparency and accountability in the extractive sector. This can only be done through timely performance and publicizing the relevant reports and audits that they have been working on. Help me to welcome Jared Arasanyasani. He has been working with the Auditor General Office in Kenya for a very long time now and has been involved with the extractive industry since 2017. Jared will talk about the size work process and their challenges specifically in Kenya. Welcome to this podcast, Jared. Thank you for being here. We are so happy to have you. 
Yeah, I'm happy to participate in this podcast. Uh, we have um, procedures and how we work. Uh, normally, all the audits and any reports we give are communicated to the parliament. We have two parliaments. We have uh, a Senate and we have a National Assembly. Most of our reports are consumed to the National Assembly. And from there, uh, in the recent past, with the, we are also uh, taking advantage of technology and we post our reports in our website. From there now they are picked uh, by the media. So uh, in terms of reaching the public, uh, could be a challenge because unless somebody is interested to visit the website or follow up proceedings in parliament when the reports are read, I can say that uh, the effectiveness is not as much. It, it depends on interest. Do you think it will be of importance, for example, if uh, supreme auditing institutions, I'm not just speaking specifically of Kenya, uh, maybe create programs for reaching the citizens or the mass, or that is work that should be done by other organizations or institutions? Yeah, my own thinking is that we, we are obligated to inform the public, and we have been trying to do that. We have um, a forum within the uh, Office of Auditor General Kenya to inform citizens. We have what we call Citizens Accountability Program, where we hold forums with citizens, and I hope through those forums, we will be able to communicate better with the, with the public. We rely on the existing media to pass the information. So as much as we have all these initiatives, we need support from uh, stakeholders who will have to pass the information to the public. Jared, I'd like to know about the challenges that you face. Are there a few things that you can mention, for example, that are a bit difficult? Challenges will always be there. In this particular industry, mainly the biggest challenge in our country has been a legislative framework, the laws that we had. They were not very, very elaborate and very clear on uh, what roles are played. We are in the process. A number of laws have now been enacted. Recently, we have a Petroleum Act, which came in force in 2019, as well as the Energy. But the Mining Act has been there since the year 2016. So you can see these are fairly new legislation and we are trying to understand, the stakeholders are trying to understand. Another challenge is the resources. Size, uh, Supreme Audit Institution uh, of Kenya as any other have constraints of resources, be it financial resources. Whatever we get, we have to plan for it and distribute it so that it can enable us to perform other roles that we have, not necessarily for the extractive industry. Yeah, so then we also have um, human resources. Some of these sectors require expertise, and uh, we might not have those expertise, but sometimes, like for our side, we have engaged, we have recruited some experts, and it takes time for us to train them and get them to the level that we want, we wish to have them so that they can now be able to perform better and give better results. It's very interesting to see how almost everyone that uh, is involved in this really talks a lot about the human resource aspect because the researcher, Mr. Edmund, talked about it. Dr. Maxwell as well mentions the level of expertise that is needed in many auditing institutions at the level of Africa. So maybe that is really something to look uh, into in the future. I do not know if there is anything that you think is important to mention that I probably didn't uh, ask you. We will succeed if we collaborate. 
if we work together. SAIS in Africa, we have a, a body AfroSAI, which is uh, really been supportive. We have SAIS which are more advanced than others. If we find the best way to work together, we will be able to approach this industry better. The potential is quite huge and it can be life-changing. Thank you, Jared. Speaking of how the SAIs work with other organizations, some countries already have established international transparency frameworks such as the Extractive Industry Transparency Initiative, EITI, Publish What You Pay, the Open Government Partnership. These initiatives have drawn worldwide attention to the need of increased transparency and accountability in the management of the extractive industry. The EITI process is the most established initiative on the continent with 22 countries participating. The process requires the disclose of information along the extractive industry value chain, the whole of it, from the extraction to how the revenue make their way through the government and how they actually benefit the public. In each of the implementing countries, the EITI is supported by a coalition of government institutions, including the size their companies, and civil society representatives. Ghana is one of those countries. And here with us is Francis Agbere, Extractive Industries Program and Campaigns Manager for Oxfam in Ghana. Francis' daily work is really to sort of build a bridge between the persons in places of power and the community activists impacted by natural resources exploitation. Thank you, Francis, for finding time to join us. Thank you, Cynthia. Countries like Ghana have established international transparency frameworks, such as the Extractive Industry Transparency Initiative. How does that framework have a symbiotic relationship with the size? It is important that if we have to turn the curve of natural resource governance, we're able to deconstruct that sort of dualistic perception that often pitches, for example, civil society organizations on the other hand, and then also quasi-governmental institutions or even governmental institutions on the other hand. And that's where you have the likes of SAIs come into play. So essentially, that collaborative space is critical, right? Now, in our case in Ghana, we have a situation where the Supreme Audit Institution what we call the Auditor General's Department within the extractive sector is able to collaborate by way of sharing information that is useful for, say, the EITI, Ghana EITI Secretariat to use, for example, in drafting their reports, but also in following up on certain critical governance-related concerns that might make it easier for the public to understand where there might be some level of corruption-related issue, there might be some level of uh, malfeasance in the extractive sector that they can deal with. On the other way, you also have the SAI getting information by way of the recommendations that are found in the EITR reports that are produced. And does it ever happen that, for example, the SAIs and other frameworks produce reports that are different, that have totally different content or maybe conflicting results? Yes, you would from time to time find that because of some challenges of coordination, you would not have such an alignment as you would require. However, this is not something that I have been, as part of my work, been able to spotlight clearly that there's such a discrepancy. Although I know that oftentimes the smoothing 
certain findings and so on, you would find some pockets of information that one you know, institution thinks, well, uh, this is really not something we think is happening on the ground. And the other says, well, okay, well, if this is what you think is not happening on the ground, this is what we have found. So where do we go from there? So you have some of those sorts of things. I believe at the end of the day, it's having a seat at the table together as different institutions that makes you know this a lot easier for everyone and for the public to access critical information that is needed to engage in advocacy directly with persons who will power, who have responsibility for directing how natural resources should be exploited and how revenues from there should be spent and so on. Dr. Ongeto is the Director of Technical Support Services and the head of the Working Group on Audit of Extractive Industries Secretariat at the Office of the Auditor General of Uganda. As a working group, we had actually realized, the Intosai community realized that uh, a number of Supreme Audit institutions actually had not taken audit of extractive industries as a key role within their audit routine to the extent that it is an area that was left unaudited. Because of that, they also realized that the Supreme Audit Institution's effort to improve uh, transparency and management of public resources was not being extended to the extractive industry. So in order to help various countries, the Supreme Audit Institutions felt that it is appropriate for them to provide the auditing services that they do for other resources, also in the extractive industry. But they discovered the capacity they wasn't there. There are experiences in some Supreme Court institutions and others had no experiences at all. So to sort out a situation like that, it is better to form what they call a working group. That is a group that would work together to share their experiences, challenges and successes, to develop guidelines and monitor progress so that, you know, as you work together, as you share experiences together, you improve better than when you are alone. So areas that we identified, one was lack of experience in the audit of extractive industries. The second is the guidelines. There are no clear guidelines for the audit of extractive industries. The existing ones are scattered. You cannot find one point location where you can get this guidance. We actually went ahead as one of our objectives is to get what we call extractive industry toolkit which is trying to link any information available about extractive industries into one point location. And then the third, we realized that we need to pull together experts who can provide training for size in the area of extractive industry. I'm so happy that you're mentioning about the training. That means you have to identify, first of all, the challenges that the institutions are going through. And that is really what I would like to know. What have you observed to be the common challenges faced by the size? One, as I said, is the lack of knowledge. You know, this is an area that has always been a little bit of more in the private sector. So size having taken little interest in that area, they lack the technical knowledge. Another aspect that is also a challenge is the fact that accessing information for audit purposes is not easy because a number of the information appear to be like um, confidential because you're dealing with a private company. So accessing that information is also a challenge. The third one, other stakeholders appreciating the work of Supreme Audit institutions in that area. Utilization of the report is not as easy because you know people still still wonder some stakeholders still wonder what role can really a supreme audit institution 
can play in that area. That is about acceptability of the report for purpose of utilization. The challenge related to the staffing, because uh, this is a very specialized area that requires uh, highly trained people. The Supreme institutions themselves must get tailor-made trainings that can prepare their staff. So there is a real staffing challenge. Keeping the qualified people, after training them, they are highly marketable. The, the, the auditors are marketable. You find them actually getting jobs in the private sector where the their salary, the pay is higher. So the, the, the rate of losing them after training is also high in that sector. To make sure that the African countries get a fair share of the revenues from the oil, the gas and mineral resources, there should be opportunities. How do we effectively promote the auditing practices? A number of opportunities. The first is that uh, we can acquire the knowledge, unlike the other days when it was difficult to acquire knowledge. So any supremo institution that is interested in developing their skills in the area of extractive industries, they can now do that. We have uh, opportunities for building capacity of our colleagues through what we call cooperative audits, audits that are done jointly. Like a SAI of Uganda can undertake a joint audit with the size of uh, maybe the Asian countries, maybe South America. So you, you can see the skills that you can acquire arising from the, the joint working. And then the citizens are becoming more enlightened and they're asking questions. So they now require transparency in the area, meaning the Supreme Court institutions are now being urged to provide oversight that has been lacking. So that provides a very good opportunity. The information sharing that is arising through EITI, for example, yeah, making accessing information that has been apparently difficult now available because there is also now the international bodies reigning on the countries to be transparent, which makes it now easy. When one country learns from the benefits that other countries are getting by being transparent, that becomes also another motivation, you know, to say, no, people are benefiting out of this. Why don't we borrow the examples of other countries that has been open? And as a result, the resource has helped to improve the welfare of citizens of that country. This conversation was inspired by the study titled Auditing the Auditor, Examining the Role of Supreme Audit Institutions in Auditing the Extractive Industry in Africa. The study can be found on the Oxfam in the Horn, East and Central Africa website.